We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. It's been quite an eventful day, and by the time you listen to this, I'm sure there will be more news breaking, but the Anthony Davis talks have gone from reopening, as we discussed in last week's pod, to full DEFCON 5, right? We had a bunch of news break today on that front. Uh, I'm going to try to recap all of that really quickly before we react to it. The morning started with Sports Illustrated releasing an interview that they had with Rich Paul that was conducted in March, but they released it today, as editors often do when a topic is at its most interesting. They'll hold on to content until that happens. And basically the crux of that interview was Rich Paul saying, you know, we don't want Boston. If you trade for him, it's a one-year deal. Don't be mad at me if he ends up walking in a year and you gave up assets for him. And him explaining his thought process at the deadline where he said, you know, we approached privately, we approached Dell Demps privately with a trade request and he tried to go around us or around me, with me being Rich Paul in this to talk to Davis directly, which is a breach of the protocol of how that works. And Rich Paul decided to go public with it as a way of kind of fighting back against that. Later in the day, we got a, a flurry of news from Mark Stein, Adrian Wojnarowski, Tanya Ganguly, and Brad Turner. The crux of it being the Lakers are offering Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and the number four pick that the Pelicans are shopping it for a more, shopping number four for a more established player, that that is their preference. If they don't find what they want, this is what Brad and Tanya reported. 
with Ford, they may ask for Kyle Kuzma instead, allowing the Lakers to keep number four. But the Lakers don't want to trade Kuzma, but that's not necessarily, not necessarily a deal breaker. It's within context of the whole deal. Woj reported that Boston is involved in discussions with New Orleans as well. He was a lot less specific about what's being offered there in the various appearances that he made on SportsCenter and on ESPN LA and all of that. He also reported that the Clippers and Nets haven't gotten any real traction. Nothing on the Knicks, who are the other player in this or potential one. Although Ian Bagley reported, who's a Knicks uh, beat writer, reported that they're reticent to give up the amount of assets that they'd need to to give up to get Anthony Davis. Kyrie Irving left his agent to sign with Rock Nation, possibly portending for Brooklyn, uh, as there's a heavy connection there. Uh, I think that's a good synopsis of went on today. Is there anything else you can think of, Darius, that I may have left out there? No, I think that there's minor stuff that's not necessarily from today, but like relates back to this. The idea that the Clippers and maybe Nets aren't gaining much much traction. There were previous reports that um, the Clippers were not interested in giving up last year's first team all rookie performer, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Or no, he was second team, I think. Anyway, he was on one of the all-rookie teams, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, in any trade for Anthony Davis, and that there were reports that the Knicks had communicated with R.J. Barrett that they were interested in drafting him at the number three overall pick, and they were interested in making that pick to keep him. Right. Not to trade him. Which indicates he's that's their best asset. That indicates them being not really that deeply into any Anthony Davis discussions if they're doing that. I saw a tweet on this and I wasn't able to watch the jump today, but the tweet that I saw, and and so take this with a grain of salt, and I'm not saying that this was actually said or not, so maybe this shouldn't even be on the pod, I suppose, but someone had attributed a quote to Brian Windhorst that the Celtics were operating in discussions Mm -hmm. with other teams Mm-hmm. as if Kyrie Irving was not going to be back right. on the Celtics next year. And that sort of goes against some of the reporting that Adrian Wojnarowski did earlier Wednesday, where he had noted that Boston was still very much interested in trading for Anthony Davis because they see him as a potential magnet basically. Right. That's a way to keep Kyrie, right? Is to get trade for him. Yes. And and, and so keeping their Kyrie Irving hopes alive by trading for Anthony Davis. And so those things aren't necessarily connected, right? Like you can still have conversations with other teams with a certain amount of skepticism that Kyrie Irving is coming back while still negotiate with New Orleans in a way that you still are targeting Davis because whatever hopes you may have that Kyrie would stay would be enhanced by that, right? And and so those are sort of two yes. not quite parallel tracks, like right, just different elements of of what's the going way that on it here. looks now is that the Lakers' offer is strong. Yes, let's talk about that actually. So on, on the last pod, we discussed the first off the notion that we considered the Lakers had three prospects that were on a certain tier. And we didn't consider Kuzma to be on that same tier. Those three prospects being Ingram, Lonzo, and the fourth pick. Um, we wanted, or at least I did, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we're, we were in similar mindset, to ideally keep one of those three. 
with two of them going out and then some of the other assets going out as well. Um, that does not appear to be the case, right? All, all three seem to be on the way out, provided that Kuzma, if, if New Orleans says, hey, we didn't find what we wanted for number four, let's get Kuzma back instead. Maybe the Lakers are able to keep the fourth pick. Now, let's let's talk about that first. So for one, I think that this indicates that we can see it as them being having three guys in one tier all we want. I think the Lakers see it as them having four, right? At the very least, Kuzma is on the same tier as the others. No, so I wrote about this at Forum Blue and Gold today and specifically talking about this aspect of the negotiations that were like leaked or the rumors that are out there now. And I'm not sure what the Lakers' view of Kyle Kuzma is internally. Clearly, they have put it out there that they value Kuzma a great deal. Um, that sort of cuts both ways, though, within the context of a negotiation, right? Um, the Lakers may very well value Kuzma that same way, and that's their prerogative. I wrote that um, if you believe that aspect of the reporting, um, I can understand why you might. Kuzma is he is a fine young prospect. Um, he's dirt cheap. And he has, I think, the term that um, Tanya Ganguly and Brad Turner used in the LA Times piece that was posted is that he's ingratiating himself to the Lakers, uh, yep. both from mm -hmm. an on and off the court perspective. And I think the way that I interpreted that was yes. that Kuzma is clearly a hard worker. He clearly loves basketball. And he's also clearly someone who does not mind sort of being in the spotlight as a player. I think he's politically skilled too. I think that he understands the game better than he, the other he puts guy. himself out there in a way and is perfectly comfortable in those environments, right? As mm -hmm. long as LeBron James is on the team, Kyle Kuzma is never going to be the face of the franchise, right? But he's clearly comfortable operating in that sort of environment as well. Being a guy who's representing the team at the lottery, being someone who goes on Turner or ESPN during game broadcast, right, for other teams, like during the playoffs or whatever, making appearances and, and sort of operating as a face of the organization, right? He, mm -hmm. Yes. One of the, right? amba the and, ambassadors and for so the Lakers, yes. Brandon Ingram is not that type of guy. Lonzo Ball is not that type of a guy. LeBron James is not going to do that from the standpoint of, like, the Lakers, just like Kobe Bryant didn't do that, right? Right. That that's usually reserved for like your like third or fourth star type of guy. Honestly, my point though in talking about Kuzma is that so I'm sure the Lakers value him for all of those those things, and that aspect is real. I would also though caution against just going all in on that idea and interpreting this as that's the only thing at play. Lonto Ball and Brandon Ingram were drafted number two overall. Their ceilings are higher than Kyle Kuzma's. And they're already superior defenders. Brandon Ingram hasn't necessarily sure. shown, and Lonzo Ball has not necessarily shown the same like consistency in terms of offensive firepower, but they've shown an offensive ceiling that is, to me, comparable to Kuzma, just in a different way, right? And, and so when you talk about offensive ceiling that's 
probably comparable and a defensive ceiling that is well beyond. I'm not sure if the sort of political stuff that we talked about earlier or, or that ambassadorship or face of the franchise stuff is overvalues the rest of that stuff. Yeah, like how much does it matter, right? Like it's easy. And and I'm sure if I was listening to this podcast, I'd be like, so what? Like about all that stuff, like, you know, can he play? Is he is he somebody that's going to be a better fit alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron James should this trade go down than Lonzo would be, than Brandon would be, than the number four pick would be? And, you know, like how much does that stuff matter? It's difficult to gauge, but I do agree with you that there is that has a certain limit to it, a certain ceiling, right? Like Derek Fisher was one of those type of guys back in the day. And as soon as he got a deal from Golden State that was a little yes. too rich for the Lakers liking, they let him walk, right? Like it, So the point I was going to make about Kuzma then is that it would not surprise me if part of the reason that there are reports now that the Lakers really value Kuzma is for them to sort of set a premise within trade negotiations that no, 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 no. We value this guy just like these other guys, the Ingrams and the right. Lonzos that we're talking about, or even the number four. If we raise him up to a level, we can then start to talk about what you're not getting within the context of a deal, right? right. Like, oh, if you really like Kyle Kuzma this much, well, we like him too. Right. And if you want Brandon Ingram and Lonzo right. Ball, then you're not going to get Kyle Kuzma. Oh, you really want Kyle Kuzma? Then maybe you don't get Lonzo Ball. And that is the nature of of negotiations. Right. I'm not necessarily saying that's what the Lakers are actually doing in this, but that makes more sense to me than the Lakers sort of saying, oh, no, 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 no. Hands off Kyle Kuzma. Right. That one's ours. You know what I think it is, Darius? I think it's his contract. I think that this isn't happening in a vacuum. And, and I'm I'm very guilty of this, and I did this on the last podcast, of evaluating trades within that vacuum of like, hey, you know, we should be leaning on the Pelicans more, which I still maintain the Lakers should be doing because you could, like, if you, the more you keep, right, even if you have to clear cap space for another move that you want to make, right? You can get something else. You can trade a guy for a, a future first to somebody else, right? The Lakers are trying to get that third guy along with LeBron and AD and build a team around that. We don't know if that's going to be possible, but having LeBron and AD probably makes that more appealing to a Jimmy Butler or, you know, God, we'd love for the Kawhi thing to still be a thing, who knows, right? Or, or Kyrie, although that's looking yes. more Brooklyn-y with, with him going, joining Rock Nation, right? But the Lakers will be a bigger player for that. So the moves that they make right now are not being made in a vacuum. It's not just like Lonzo Ball versus Kyle Kuzma. It's Lonzo Ball at $8.7 million versus yes. Kyle Kuzma at $1.97 million for next season, right? And all of the implications of that. There is a path to getting three maxes and keeping Lonzo. This is my preferred outcome. Part of it may be like New Orleans being particularly high on Lonzo, in which if he's the number one or number two thing, what they want out of it, there's, I mean, it's kind of a moot point, right? Like there's, if the Lakers want Anthony Davis, they're going to have to move Lonzo. But there's a way to, to get to it if that's not the case. If they just want three of the four, if you move Brandon Coos and the number four pick, right, you could conceivably keep Lonzo. The, but the way to get the third guy is that you'd need to trade Wagner as well. You'd need to trade Hart. You need to trade Bonga. Yes. In order to get the math to where it needs to be, 
to get that third guy. Now, from our end, we're like, well, who cares, right? Those are end of the bench type of guys. It's really hard to execute like six for one type of trades because on the other end, most of the time they're not, they don't have the roster space to receive that many players at once with only one guy going out or the desire to, right? Like, do they want to use a roster spot on Mo Wagner or Isaac Bonga, right? Or would they rather be pursuing those guys in free agency? So there's the gamesmanship aspect that you talked about of them trying to play up potentially an asset, the political asset, obviously how well the guys can play. But I really think the driving aspect in a lot of this and with and what makes Kuzma possibly the most valued guy. This is something yeah. that Eric Pincus asserted on Twitter today, that the Lakers value P- I Kuzma the most because of his contract, because of the, how that contract, right, how that fits in to what else And so this do. was sort of a throwaway line in the piece I wrote today, Wednesday, about these sort of negotiations, is that this is a math problem for the Lakers as well. The Lakers are basically going to operate as a team that is under the salary cap. And that means all of the moves that they're going to make have to basically work in a certain way so that they stay right under or right at basically the salary cap. Yeah, it's like razor's edge type stuff. All of these trades that we're talking about, it's not like they're operating as an over the cap team where there's a little bit more flexibility to do X, Y, and Z. And you're going to have these other avenues in order to improve your team with a higher mid-level exception contract and, and all of this other stuff. The Lakers are really working with a math problem here. And especially when you're talking about the dual pursuit right they have a dual pursuit here one one arm of that is for anthony davis and when you're trading for a player there are rules that govern trades and that there is the free agency aspect and the free agency aspect means that you have to have the money to sign that specific player under the salary cap in order to sign player x and so the way that the sequencing would need to work for the Lakers to actually get a superstar in free agency while trading for Anthony Davis, that margin is very, very thin. And there's ways you have to execute that in terms of the sequencing of when you make the deals and how those deals are then uh, reported back to the league and the rules that then govern the trade for Anthony Davis because you're no longer under the cap. There's a bunch of stuff that matters here, and it really is just a math problem, man. To put this simply, the more money the Lakers send out in any trade for Anthony Davis, it's not like they're going to have necessarily more money in free agency to go spend, but the flexibility in how they manage this changes. And that just may be it when it comes down to, oh, you want Lonzo and Brandon Ingram? Fine. Besides LeBron James, they're the two guys who make the most money on the roster. Yep. Yep. And and that's going to matter a lot. It may have nothing to Mm -hmm. do with how much potential we see in Brandon Ingram or how much better you might think in the long run, five years from now, Lonzo Ball is going to be when he's only 26 and Kyle Kuzma is like almost 30. That matters. But in the big picture, what really matters to to the Lakers is, you know who else is going to be 30 in four years? Anthony Davis, right? And <laughs> yeah. so if the Lakers are able to to look at themselves and say, at the end of the day, we have Anthony Davis and 
you know, anywhere between 25 and $32 million in cap space to round out a roster around Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James and any of the other young players that they kept. Mo Wagner, Josh Hart, right? Maybe it's Kyle Kuzma. Maybe it's not. Whatever. They're going to go and do that. And they're going to look at themselves in the mirror and they're going to yeah. smile about it at the end of the day because they're going to have mm -hmm. Anthony Davis and yeah. and LeBron James. And that's why I think that the way we talked about this last week in terms of all these value propositions and, oh, well, I'd like to give up two of the three. And it wouldn't it be nice if you could get over like on the Pelicans. I think that some of that conversation, while I think informed and offered perspective, I also think that a week later, the way that we're looking at this, the perspective has changed. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk to Darius a little bit about the value propositions of that and some of the things that are nagging at me. And maybe he can talk me out of it or, uh, or give me reason why I'm, I, I'm right to be a little irritated on how this has gone. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. And then our friends at Harry's are, are here to make sure that our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million people who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. All right, so we were talking value value propositions before we went to break. There are two ends of this, and both are on my mind equally. On one end, it would be absurd to get too cute with an Anthony Davis trade, right? He's a top seven, eight player in the NBA. Um, I don't view him as a tier one guy, but I only view three guys in the league as a tier one guy, and that's Kawhi, KD, and LeBron. But I think he's firmly in the, in tier two, and I also think he's a beautiful compliment to LeBron and, and would be the best number two guy in the game, both in terms of raw talent. Although, you know, you could say Steph or, or KD, right? Say Steph's probably, you know, a, a better player than AD is at this point, but that might not be for too much longer considering their age. 
and it's certainly not that far off, right? And but also in terms of fit, the LeBron and AD combination should be a beautiful one if if the trade is consummated. So you don't want to get too cute. And this is what the Celtics did, and what just tickles me to no end about their. I don't want to say their demise, but their outlook looking a lot bleaker than it did beforehand is they got too cute, right? With like, no, I don't want to trade Jalen Brown for Kawhi Leonard. And then you find yourself, you know, a year later going, oh crap, like our future was not what we expected it to be because we tried to get too cute with it. The other end of it is a transaction that the Lakers made back in 1996 that I think about. And to me, this is what the best general managers and, and decision makers do. Lakers, this was a time before you had max contracts in the NBA. So you had a salary cap, but there was no cap on what an individual player could make. You had a 24-year-old Shaquille O'Neal entering free agency, rightfully about to demand King's ransom. The Lakers needed to clear cap space. They could get there, but they needed to move some guys. So they traded like George Lynch and Anthony Peeler to the Memphis, I think Vancouver Grizzlies at the time. And it was for like, you know, conditional second round picks that were top 55 protected picks that did not ultimately convey. They they got rid of them for free. They also needed to get rid of Vlade, right? Who was a veteran who was being paid, I think, 2.5 million at the time, which was a lot of money at the time. And they needed to move that money off of the books. In doing that, they got Kobe freaking Bryant out of it too, right? On a, a, a rookie contract, although... I don't know if rookie contracts, I think the rookie scale had been implemented right after Glenn Robinson in 94 got the $100 million deal. So anyway, you got a rookie Kobe Bryant on a rookie scale deal, um, and you've opened up the space to sign Shaq. But the point of that being is that they needed to do something, and Jerry West still found a place to get extra value out of it. And that's the other end of this that I, I would love to see. And again, this d- this could very easily veer into getting too cute. And it shouldn't be the type of thing that prevents you from getting an Anthony Davis. But am I am I putting too much stock in that, like, can you do something that involves some degree of finesse? Like, that's what I'm not impressed by with, with how this process has been, is there's hasn't been any, like, although the trade isn't executed yet, there has not been any degree of, finesse or extra value that I think you see from like Masai Ujiri getting Danny Green back too, along with Kawhi Leonard, things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, am I putting too much into that? I think that's a fair critique. I'm not even going to push back against it. What I will attempt to do though here is offer a little bit of context, right? And this isn't to change your mind. I think it's to try to place context and help us try to better understand why the why in this potentially. I think that with this specific trade, with this specific player between these two specific teams, while Magic Johnson is no longer the president of basketball operations with the Lakers and Dell Demps is no longer the general manager for the New Orleans Pelicans the Lakers are still trying to trade for a player where this went horribly for both teams just what four months ago. I think there's baggage. You think like a you think there's a residual effect of that? Yeah. Okay. I would imagine David Griffin is empowered by Gail Benson. 
I also think that in any leadership structure, David Griffin is still going to have to sell it to Gail Benson. That if he ends up determining that the Lakers offer is the best offer, he's going to have to go to her and basically say, this is the best offer from a basketball perspective. And we have done our due diligence. This is what you hired me to do. And he's going to go in there and I'm sure he's going to have to go in the room and he's going to have to manage up, right? The exact same thing that I told you that Magic Johnson did not do with Jeannie Buss in terms of managing the fiasco that ended up happening on his watch and in the aftermath of, of his resignation. Magic Johnson did not seem like he had the ability to go into that room and manage up. I think he saw Jeannie Buss as like a peer, right? David Griffin is used to managing up. I think he probably had Mm -hmm. to manage up a fair amount while he was in Cleveland operating under Dan Gilbert. So I think that there's baggage there that needs to be massaged. I also think that in this specific case, Rob Palinka understands, considering that baggage, that this is not the time for finesse. I think that he's reading this as a situation of, I need to come in strong and I need to make what is mm-hmm. basically very close to my best offer and then mm-hmm. work that best offer continuously and maybe work it around the margins if I need need to. But in principle, this is what I'm offering. I am offering our three best assets, non-LeBron James assets, and you can have all three of those, mm-hmm. and we can have a deal. And I think that he came in with that knowing that now's not the time to necessarily come and say, oh, well, yeah, how's that Jason Tatum deal looking for you? Right? Like, I don't think this is the time, <laughs> sure. or that's sure. my read on that. I'm not saying that's my perspective. That's just my read on that. And believe me, Based off of our conversation last week and then what is seemingly on the table now, my first impression on that was I'm a bit disappointed that this is already where it's at, Mm -hmm. right? But when I pulled back a little bit, my perspective was just what I said to you right now as a rationale for it. Now, you can argue against that. And I think there's good arguments to be made against that. I think one of the arguments is the one that you just made about finding value in other ways. And this is where I'd be very interested to see what sort of value exists for the number four pick. And even in conversations about Kyle Kuzma's inclusion or lack of inclusion, where there might be value in that asset around the league, right? I I think that there are ways to finesse the building of this roster and extracting more value in in other places. I'm not sure if there's any extraction to be had here of additional value when the value is actually Anthony Davis. Sure, sure. Like, yeah, like the, the worst case scenario here is right is like we traded too much and now we only have LeBron James, Anthony Davis in cap space. Right? Like, like boohoo, right? Th- th- there are worse like, things. Oh, right, exactly. Let me go cry on my pile <laughs> exactly. of money. I'm not saying right. that that's like, oh, a home run or this, this, that, and the other. I just think that, and I've said this before about the Lakers situation in general, that they are well positioned right now. 
And despite all the fiasco mm-hmm. and front office stuff and it's drama and it's a circus and everything, zoom out and then look at the positives. And there are a bunch of organizations that would say, oh, yeah, I'll take LeBron James one of the best markets in the league, brand recognition across the world, cap space to sign a max con contract player, a top four lottery pick in the upcoming draft, and several young player assets that for sure have value around the league, but also, you know, are very polarizing, like in their own rights, right? And if you polled, sure. you know, sure. The 29 other general managers, you probably would find somewhere in the range between 18 and 23 of them that would say, sign me up. Absolutely. So I think that in the same way, you're going to give me LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And now I've still got some cap space to work with. I've still got a couple of salary cap exceptions that I could use to sign sort sort of like veteran players who might be interested in chasing a ring in what looks like to be now a depleted Western conference considering or a a weakened Western conference based off of like what happened to Kevin Durant. There's context to all of this. I'm not trying to oversell the Lakers hand here, and I'm certainly not trying to defend Rob Palinka. I think though that in this specific case with this specific deal, I can get to the logic in it pretty quickly and not walk away with a sour feeling. I suppose what I'm looking for are signs of some degree of skill from Palenka in that he's been with the organization for a couple of years now, uh, but it's hard to parse out what was him, what was magic, at least to a certain extent. And, and certainly in the conceptualization of what the franchise looks like, I think it was pretty obvious that, you know, he was more in charge of the cap stuff and, and the minutia of, you know, how do we, get this to work you know like magic may have the big idea and then it's rob's job to you find the way to make it work in the most efficient way rob has more of a say in terms of the conceptualization of what the roster looks like and i'm sure rambus has a say in it and and there may be other parties involved too but rob has a bigger say at the very least than he did with magic who i think you put very appropriately earlier saw genie as kind of more of it as a peer whereas a guy like rob palinka now or a david griffin they have to manage up right there's a clear distinction between their position and their respective owners i i would like to see like I, i guess my question is if this is not the trade to do that on and you did a good job of laying out the reasons why you don't screw around with this and get too cute with it when does that come in? Because I do believe that even if with your starting point of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, if it comes to that, and cap space, they there is yes. going to have to be a certain degree of skill from Polinka. There is going to have to be finesse that pops up somewhere in order for this to be a title team. This is such a weird situation in that the Lakers are a poorly run team that is extremely desirable to free agents and to, to players around the league as kind of a residual of what they've done over the last 30, 40 years. In that Rich Paul piece today, they compared the Lakers to Jennifer Lopez. Lakers ain't been Jennifer Lopez in a minute, right? But that's still how they're seen, and perception is everything, right? But at some point, there's going to have to be some skill from the management perspective if we actually want to win titles with this, because we got a hell of a head start. 
tell me who they keep in any trade, and then show me the next four moves. So I'm not going to like belittle or poo-poo what Jerry West accomplished in 1996. But yes, Kobe Bryant. Yes, Shaq. Right? Fantastic. Look at the team then that won the championship. Right? So the Lakers got Kobe and Shaq. What was the next iteration of that team? The next iteration of that team was not the championship team. They were the Lake Show team. That was the Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, mm-hmm. you know, um, Eldon Campbell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They traded Sabalos, I think, eight, eight games into Shaq's first season because they could see that that wasn't going to fit. So they traded Sabalos for Ori. So he was on those teams too. So show me the next four moves, right? Robert Ori. Sure. He found his way to get Rick Fox. He shipped out Nick Van Exel, and that created an elevated role for Derek Fisher. He ended up hiring Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson then clearly had roster influence because guys like Ron Harper and mm-hmm. Horace Grant made their way on to, right. to the team. He tapped into an old well and brought back A.C. Green. He swapped out Eldon Campbell and Eddie Jones for Glenn Rice. So I think the value add that you might be looking for is not can you trade for Anthony Davis by using the most obvious pieces on your roster to get Anthony Davis. Show me the next four moves. Show me the next five moves. If if he decides, okay, well, now I have no point guard because I don't have Lonzo Ball and I don't have wing depth because mm-hmm. I just traded maybe Brandon Ingram or Kyle Kuzma. Let's sign Rondo to a three-year deal. Fill that no. <laughs> God help me. Forgot. Like, that's exactly the type of crap that I'm afraid of, dude. You could see yourself, too. So we're sort of saying, well, Rondo had a good rela- relationship with Anthony Davis. Show me the next five moves. And that's where I think Rob Palinka is going to be able to shed some of the doubt that is that he rightfully has to carry from Lakers fans casting it upon him. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how many fans are in my mentions every single day, basically saying, I do not trust Rob Polinka to either get this deal done or make a smart deal. It's, it's just pejorative after pejorative about this guy. Right. And, and, and so Mm -hmm. in order to turn that perception around, it's going to take five, six, seven smart moves. Right. So we can we can say Frank Vogel might be move number one. Anthony Davis might be move number two. Then show me two through ten. How do you spend the rest of the money? What veterans do you target as like veteran minimum options? Are you fine going back to like a JaVale McGee or a Nerlens Noel? Or are or do mm-hmm. you build in a different way with like maybe a, a smarter type of big man like what type of team do you try to build and that's where i think Mm -hmm. the value add needs to come from sure sure and the the ad trade is the place to do that and is basically i'm not here and i'm not here to to say either way that i have any belief in what would happen in those scenarios it's just that i just think that what we're looking for is not in this specific move it's in something else let me ask you this though 
now that the rumors are out there, now that there have been leaks, mm-hmm. what's the scale for you in terms of nervousness versus confidence versus it could still fall through? Where are you at with it mentally? I'm nervous about it, but in a different way. Like it's like, you know, we're about to take the plunge type of way. Like I feel like I'm about to go bungee jumping, you know, like I know it's coming and I'm looking down and it's not something that I, I, like if this trade were to fall apart, um, I think it would look really bad for the Lakers. Lord knows we've had enough of that. Uh, But I wouldn't exactly be heartbroken to, keep doing what we were doing and, and try and build the team out via free agency and, and like build a good team. I've always wanted them to do something that was kind of slow and sustainable. I also know in my maybe more rational brain that the moment they signed LeBron James, that all of that became very unrealistic. And the difference between 21 year olds and a 34, soon to be 35 year old LeBron James, that's just that bridge is too much. And they had to, you know, tighten that up a bit, that age gap, right, with somebody who's in their prime. And and Anthony Davis is almost certainly better than either Lonzo or Ingram are going to be at or the fourth pick are going to be at some point during their career. So I'm not nervous about it falling apart. I do think it gets done as much as, you know, as close as you can get on a trade. I mentioned this with Anthony the other day, but Pincus has, I call this the Pincus principle where no trade is likelier than 49% to get done before it's actually done, right? Because there's just too many places where it can fall apart. I do think the Lakers have the best deal on the table, probably by a significant margin. I think that the clock is ticking. I don't think that they're holding all of the leverage in that the Lakers do have that pressure of having LeBron. It's not realistic for them to just wait until the following off season to just sign Anthony Davis outright and add him to what they have as much as I would love for that to be the case. It's just not, it's not a tenable way to approach this. Now there is one element of this and this isn't rational. It's not a way they should be basing decisions off of. This is just how I feel as a Laker fan. So take it as you will. It's if this goes down and the Lakers sign that third max guy, it's going to be a little weird I, 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 in that I will feel like I'm rooting for someone else's players. Like LeBron is a Cav to me in my mind, or a Miami Heat, and Anthony Davis is a Pelican, and say we sign Jimmy Butler, he's a Bull or, you know, Timberwolf or a Sixer. But it's not like, I can't think of another team in NBA history that was pretty much like all of the main pieces were like entirely from somewhere else. And that would be kind of strange to root for. And that doesn't mean they shouldn't do it, yeah. right? Like that, that'd that be a wonderful outcome to have that. I'm just saying just from a how I feel of the experience of being a Laker fan, it would be weird for me. Does that resonate with you at all? I would say this, that to me, it would be like that 2004 Pistons team, but like on HGH or something with different reputations of those players right? Like LeBron James is a champion, like in the example that you gave, like Anthony Davis is a multiple time all-star and all NBA level player and ditto for Jimmy Butler, right? Like those guys were not cast-offs. Those 2004 Pistons players, they were cast-offs. And there's some charm to that too, right? And and again, this is just, it doesn't matter, but there's that that fun, that charming part of sports, that rookie that you drafted that guy that someone else discarded and he came into his own with you there's there's just a a funness about that i always talk about like 
how that 2008 Lakers team was one of my favorite Lakers teams. Mm -hmm. And it was because like that was mostly a homegrown team, right? Like they made that killer trade for Pau Gasol and Lamar Odom was acquired during the Shaq trade, right? But look at the rest of that team of players that were important. You know, Trevor Ariza was obviously a trade as well, but like Kobe Bryant and who made the leap that year? Andrew Bynum, Sasha yeah. Vujicic mm -hmm. was a Lakers draft draft pick. Jordan Farmar right. Jordan was Farmar. a Lakers draft pick. Mm -hmm. Derek Fisher, right? His second, mm -hmm. like, like his second tour. So, you know, like that was one of my favorite teams, even though they actually didn't win the title, right? Like because the run that they made and the import, the players on that team, the weight that those homegrown guys were carrying was like, was was just great and 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 the the turn that Andrew Bynum made was something that I I don't think Lakers fans had actually felt anything like that actually since Kobe Bryant right mm -hmm. and and that year started with the Kobe Bryant like I'll play on yes Pluto, it was right? the ship what, that is was ass that out summer before it was the right? ship is ass out yeah summer before uh -huh. that uh -huh. the summer of two thousand seven yep. when when the Celtics got Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. Right. And Kobe Bryant is looking around like, like, you won't get me Jason <laughs> Kidd for this dude. Right. Are you kidding? Right. Me? Yeah. Oh, uh -huh. man. Imagine uh -huh. that during the Twitter era. <laughs> you know, like, uh, oh, man, that would have led yeah. first take for like, I don't know, six straight months. Um, right. Anyways. Right. I digress. The team that you're talking about, the the sort of mercenaries approach. Right. The all imported team. That would be a tricky thing to root for. I also know, though, like, hell, man, I was fully invested in LeBron James this year. I don't know about you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, no, no, and I, I don't mean to say that I wasn't, right? Like, like it was, and hell, I got to go to the games. Like, it was freaking cool to watch that. It's more, though, person. that I, I just think fans, like, a lot of fans are going to be like, this is, like, it's sort of rooting for laundry. Yeah, whose team is this? Yeah. Like that laundry may have some baggage that that comes with it, but oh, give it a couple of months, and I feel like if Jimmy Butler was here, we'd be firing off like all capital J I M M Y tweets. <laughs> you uh -huh. know, like uh -huh. I don't know, man. Like I just feel like over time, I think the part that would stick with me more is I would still be following the guys that left. Right. People get on me all of the sure. time because every once in a while I'll tweet out something about D'Angelo Russell or uh, or I'll uh, say something Julius. about Julius Randle. Mm -hmm. Right. And people will jump at me like, let it go. Let it go already. And one of the things that I refuse to do as a fan, and this is sort of where like I really do sort of relate to Jeannie Buss in that, like, I invest in these guys as more than just like oh, you were number three for the Lakers one year. Like, I want sure. these guys to succeed. And so when they're in the Lakers jersey, I want them to succeed too. And just because they leave a Lakers jersey, like, that doesn't mean... So if Lonzo is on New Orleans or on Phoenix or who knows where, I'll feel it more from that perspective than I will, like, any sort of, like, oh, like, who are these guys playing for the Lakers? Right. It'll be more like, oh, sure. I miss these other guys. Like, I hope that they're doing well, too. I, I, that's probably a better depiction. And like, 
Trust me, like you got those dudes, you know, a LeBron and a Jimmy and an AD, you know, going to war in the playoffs for the Lakers. I'll I, like I will get behind it, it won't, and it won't take me long, and it won't take me to the playoffs to get to that point. It'd just be more of like it's such a titanic shift in roster from yeah. one year to the next. Like think about the continuity that we've had even throughout these rebuilding years, right, of, of guys to root for over the course of several seasons that going from one year to the next with almost an entirely different roster, it'd just be a, it'd be a weird experience. Yeah. I'd get used to it. It's just something that's been on my mind that that'd be something that'd be One thing I will say, though, is that if it's just even one of those young players who gets to stay, stay behind, you better believe, like, if Josh Hart gets to stay, yeah, fans are gonna love Josh yeah. Hart. If yeah. Kyle Kuzma gets yes. to stay, Kuzma, right, mm-hmm. fans are gonna yep. love Kyle Kuzma. Yep. There's gonna be an investment to fans are gonna double down on Mo Wagner, right? Like that's just gonna sure. be a thing, man. Because we will always have love for one of our own, and and mm-hmm. I do agree with you there that it'll just always be that. And it's honestly, I think it's one of the reasons why, like in the end, that. Besides all of the like, oh, well, he's not in shape or this, this, that, and the stuff, the issues that the that Lakers fans ended up having with Shaq, I think one of the reasons why they also ended up choosing Kobe is because, like, Kobe was ours. Like, he was ours. Yes, he was. He, you, you know, sure, mm-hmm. he got drafted by the Hornets, but, but he never played for anyone else. He was ours. And... Yeah. Thick and thin, warts and all. I think like, that that yeah. goes a long way, man. And and so I definitely know where you're coming from with that. I just also think that that if there's one thing that Lakers fans appreciate is just that extra level that only certain types of players can can get to. Lakers fans have been spoiled by having an inordinate amount of those guys play for their teams. And mm-hmm. if you've been a Laker fan for... 30 or 40 or 50 years you've seen the history of the league right not just the lakers but the league where wear that uniform and so i think that there's an appreciation that goes with with that and if the lakers are able to pull out a deal for one or more of those guys who are who are sort of currently at or approaching that level in the league now like they did with with lebron they're going to feel pretty damn good about it. I know you and I would too. Hell yeah, man. Should be an interesting uh, few days, my man. Uh, let's see see where this goes. Um, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. Just give me a chance to think. It takes <laughs> me a little while to get lined up. I know it does take you a while to think. Rebound to Vladi. Nice rebound to Vladi. Oh! I think that is a cosmetic call, baby. Okay, kid, you're all right, my book. Will you get these idiots out of here? (laughs) 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.